All right, who's ready to learn something today? Amen. Who's here to open their hearts up to God's Word? To let the Holy Spirit take the Word, plant it in your heart, bring it to life in you, change you, grow you, make you more like Jesus? Who's ready for that? Amen. All right. So we've been walking. Walking. We've not been walking. We've been talking. But we've been talking about walking. I think I got mixed up there. Uh, a few weeks ago, on Baptism Sunday, I started a new series, uh, and I didn't know at that time it would be a series, but Walking in Newness of Life. And I, wa- I really want to pick up on that again today, and it, I think it'll dovetail really well with Pastor Jay's message last week. Uh, he, uh, he, w- he had a message on that you have a target on you, and the enemy's really co- always coming after you, and he really dealt with open doors and different areas of access that we give the enemy. To, uh, to come in and do what he likes to do, steal, kill, and destroy. So uh, I want to talk today about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And our main text is going to be Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. I kind of want to un- unpack that today. And then at the toward the maybe middle or, or the last part of the message today, I want to give you some practical ways to walk in the Spirit. Because a lot of times we talk about walking in the Spirit, but it's like this nebulous thing. What does that mean? So I I haven't been up here in a couple weeks, so over the last couple weeks I've just been brainstorming and reading and praying, and and I told Kristen yesterday I've got 25 points for the message of ways to walk in the Spirit. So obviously we're not doing all 25, but I I just, I, I pared it down to seven. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time. You know, typically I'll teach just on one area, but I want to give you seven things. They're not steps one through seven, so don't think. I didn't number them. They're not going to be step one, step two. But remember, the word walk is the Greek word peripateo. And it's a compound word that the first part is peri, which means around, like you think of the word perimeter, and pateo, which means to walk or tread on. So this word peripateo, or to walk, it means to live, but it really has to do with the entirety of your life. It means it has to do with every aspect of your life. So when we talk about walking in the Spirit, it's not just one thing that qualifies as walking in the Spirit. There's a lot of things that go into the lifestyle of walking in the Spirit. So I just want to give you some practical things later on. And we'll just, obviously, we're going to go through them fairly quickly. I encourage you to, to look at the scriptures, study them in context, let God speak to you, because I've had a lot of victory in certain areas of my life over the years. So if I can help you, and some things God's shown me, and it's worked for me, guess what? It'll work for you. God's word always works. God's word never returns void. So you never waste time spending time in God's word. It's never a waste of time. It will always bear fruit. So we're going to look at a good bit of scripture today. But let's start uh, with Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And before I do, I like to start with this scripture because a lot of times religion will teach this backwards. I hate religion. Right? We're going to kick religion to the curb. Because a lot of times religion will tell you that there's some things you got to get rid of in your life in order for the Holy Spirit to be active in your life. That you got to stop this, and you got to quit this, and you need to stop doing that, and the more you stop doing this, then the more you'll 
flow in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This verse teaches the exact opposite of that. Matter of fact, that way, you may even have some measure of success doing that. You might say, well, I quit this, and I, I, I stopped doing this, and, and, and I have really good willpower. Well, it won't be genuine, and it won't be lasting. If you want lasting success, lasting victory over issues in your life, you start with the Holy Spirit first, and those things will fall off second. Order is very important. God doesn't put things in Scripture by accident. He doesn't just pen things down. All Scripture was God-breathed, God-inspired, and God penned it through men in a certain way. So when we look at it, we need to look at it in the order that it's written. So what he says, he says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desires or lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, and you cannot do the things that you wish. Father, I just pray right now in this short time, Holy Spirit, bring it to a point let me not get sidetracked. Father, I pray that the words would be your words. Lord, let me say only what you want me to say. In Jesus' name. Walk in the Spirit. So sometimes people say, well, you need to stop doing this, and then as you do that, you'll walk in the Spirit. Paul says the exact opposite. He says, if you want to stop doing things, if you want to get rid of those issues, if you want to get rid of some of that stuff in your life, there's a certain way to do it. And as you begin to walk in the Spirit, and we're not literally walking, but remember, it's the entirety of your life. As you begin to operate in those things, we're going to look at in a minute, all of a sudden the things that used to really have a grip on you, those things that pulled you down, those things that kept you in a certain lifestyle or a certain job or a certain type of marriage or whatever it is, those things that were a hindrance, and, and had you chained, all of a sudden those things are going to start not being issues anymore. So I want to walk through this because we talk about the flesh, and there's some there's misunderstanding about what the flesh is. So I want to just spend a little time talking about what the flesh is because it can be confusing. It's used in various uh, ways in the New Testament. So I just want to give you a quick, couple quick things about that. So next slide says this, genuine and lasting victory only comes in this order. As you embrace walking in the Spirit, the desires of your flesh will be, not just they might stop, they will be absolutely negated. Right? Think about that. If you want to quit doing something, you know, up to this point, all we do is, well, I, I can try real hard, and I'm going to just like really dig in my heels. No, it says walk in the Spirit. It doesn't say any of that. It says walk in the Spirit. Those things will 100% be eliminated. See, this isn't a verse of potential and possibility. This is a promise. This is God's Word. If God's Word says it's so, guess what? It's so. Let me read this to you in a couple other translations. Listen to this. Next slide. Walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and let the Spirit bring order to your life. If you do, you will never give in to your selfish and sinful cravings. Walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit 
responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. Anybody see any maybe or might be in there? It's certain. He says, if you do this, this will be the result. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill. It won't happen. You certainly will not fulfill those things that the flesh wants you to do. So what is the flesh? What's the flesh? Next slide. So in the New Testament, the word flesh is starks. It's used, it's, it's used a lot of different ways, but I just want to give you three quick ways because as you read it, sometimes some translations actually add confusion to it because they translate it wrong. But really, there's three general ways the word flesh is used. First, it just has to do with like skin and bones. It can be the flesh of people or the flesh of animals, just like fleshly bodies. The second way it's used is it talks about the, the frailty of man apart from God. So Paul used this in Romans chapter 8, verse 3. He says uh, that the, the, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So that the law couldn't do anything to make you better just because the flesh in and of itself is weak. And the third area is really where we're going we're to hone in on today. And it's really the flesh is anything that is sinful in man. The flesh is anything sinful in man. And you say, well, I thought you said my old man died. Anybody remember that? Okay. So do you remember a, a couple weeks ago when I think we had Don and Pam Ward up here? Who was here? Anybody here that week? Nobody was here. Oh, my wife was here. I know she was here. All right. Do you remember we had Jay? Jay was the bad husband. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Everybody remembers that. Pastor Jay was the bad husband. So what happens is when you're married to a bad husband and that bad husband treats you poorly, he cusses you out, he slaps you up one side and down the other, even if he dies, he's left some residue in your life. Even if that old man is gone, even if he's dead, even if you now get married to Jesus, which it talks about in Romans 7, the old man is done, he was crucified, he's dead, he's gone. Now that you can be married to another, even him that was risen from the dead, speaking of Jesus, I'm married to Jesus now, but the old man has left a residue, a residual effect in me. So that if I, if I was a lady and I, I had a husband that beat me, we don't condone, obviously, but if that guy dies and I get remarried to somebody else and that person just puts their hand up, what am I going to do? I'm going to flinch because his residue remains in me. He's gone, but he left some stuff in me. So the same thing happens in the spirit realm, that your old man's dead He's dead and gone, but when he dies, he left some residue here and here. And that the way he, you, you no longer have that nature, that sin nature is gone, but so the propensity, the push to sin is gone. But there's still some things, that's why Paul talks about you have to renew your mind. You have to walk a certain way because there's that residue. So, all that sinful man. So sin nature, when describing those who are not born again. So if you're not saved today, you still have that old sin nature. You have a drive to sin. You will not control it. It will control you. 
If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the old sin nature is dead, it's buried, and it's not coming back. It was crucified with Christ. However, the effects of the residual old self when describing those who are born again. See the difference? So sometimes if you read, especially maybe the New Living Translation, it'll say that you still have a sin nature. If you've accepted Jesus and you're saved, you do not have a sin nature, but you do have a flesh. Your flesh is the residual effect of the old sin nature. So a few years ago, I had a herniated disc in my back. I've since been healed of that. It's completely gone. However, now I might need somebody to lay hands on my knee today. I still have the residual effects of neuropathy in my knee. So, so the source is gone. The herniated disc is gone, completely healed. But there remains a little residual. I have a remembrance of that because sometimes I'll step and my knee gives way and there's a residual effect. So it's the same thing. You have that residual effect. It, in James chapter 1, verse 22, let's go to the next slide. So if you see a lot, if you see this verse, it says James 1:22. It says, "Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word or planted word, which is able to save your souls." That word "overflow," uh, the old translation, uh, the King James was superfluity, but nobody says that anymore. But but that word "overflow," the Greeks used to use. As, the, as to describe the wax, after you clean your ear, you know there's always that little bit of wax in there you can't get out. They'd use that to describe the leftover wax that you couldn't get out of your ear. So it's, it's residue. It's what remains. It's, it's gone, but there's still a little bit left in you. So, And it says here, receive with uh, meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So even though your spirit part of you is born again, let me tell you, some of you need some saving done in your souls, your mind, right? Because that old man trains your mind to think a certain way. That old man trains your emotions to feel a certain way. That old man trains your, your decision maker to make decisions a certain way. The old man trains your body to react a certain way, right? So when somebody draws, what do we do? Because it's been trained. There's a residue still there that needs taken out. So we don't take it out by our own willpower. We take it out by walking in the Spirit. And when it talks about this thing, lust of the flesh, lust is typically, if I say the word lust, what's everybody think of? Oh, come on. You guys are too easy. Yeah, everybody thinks of lust. They, they equate that with sex. Well, lust just means an intense desire. It doesn't mean sex because the Holy Spirit lusts too. Right? This verse says the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit lust against the flesh. So the word lust literally means an intense desire or an intense craving. Most of the time it's used to describe something bad, but not always, because if it did, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't have that too. So it's just an intense desire and intense craving. And it says, so it says this intense desire, this lust of the flesh. The word of means out of. It actually denotes the origin or who the author of it is. So think about this. When I talk about lust of the flesh, I'm talking about, if you're saved, I'm talking about an intense desire to do something wrong 
that originates in the flesh, which is the residual effects of the old man. Got that? Lust of the flesh is an intense desire to do what's wrong that's birthed out of, that originates out of, the residual effects of the old man in you. Now, let's go to the next slide. So what's it say? It says, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These two are what? Contrary. They're contrary. Contrary means opposite in nature, intent, or direction. Contrary means to be opposite. They're opposite in intent, they're opposite in nature, and they're opposite in direction. So if my lust of the flesh are, is an intense desire to do what's wrong that originates in the residual effects of my old self, if it is opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants, then I should get opposite results, right? So if you read all of Galatians 5, it's really, if you read beyond this, and we may read it later, we may not, it talks about the works of the flesh. I don't need to describe to you what the works of the flesh are. We could read them. But then the rest of that, when you get down to verses 22, 23, 24, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So that as I allow the Holy Spirit to influence my life, there are certain fruit that's going to come out of that. As I allow the flesh and those intense desires to, to flow through my life, there's fruit that's going to come out of that. So that the intense desire to do something wrong produces bad stuff, and that intense desire to do something right from the Holy Spirit is going to produce something entirely different. Next slide. So here you have these two things. The NIV says it this way. The flesh desires what is contrary or opposite to the Spirit. The Spirit's what is contrary to the flesh. So, it doesn't say that your flesh ever goes away. It doesn't say that if you walk in the Spirit, the flesh will go away. We know by Scripture the old man is dead, the old man's gone, but the flesh doesn't go away. So, it's imperative that you learn how to walk or live your life daily walking in the Spirit. Think of it like this. Two things. Who ever heard of the law of gravity? You just saw it, right? The law of gravity is always in effect, right? Is there ever a time that the law of gravity is not in effect? Unless you're on the moon, maybe. But while you're on the earth, no. What about the law of aerodynamics? What's that give us the ability to do? It gives us the ability to fly. Now, when I'm flying in an airplane, is the law of gravity still in effect? It is but I'm flying at a different, under a different law that's superior to this law. Now, what happens as soon as the gas comes out of the plane? Right? I was in an airplane once. This guy comes up and asks Kristen. He says, hey, go back here and sit with my wife. This guy's like 80 years old. And so, of course, she gets up and leaves, and he sits down next to me. And uh, I know him. Oh, yeah, it's not, not some stranger. I know this guy. And he says, he says, Freddie. Why are you wearing flip-flops? I said, because uh, I'm going to Bermuda. Don't you know that if the plane goes down, you need closed-toed shoes? I was like, I uh, wasn't really planning on the plane going down today. <laughs> that was the last thing in my mind. But that plane, as long as it has fuel, and as long as the motor's running, 
It supersedes the law of gravity, which is still there. The same thing's going to happen in your life. The flesh doesn't go away. But you can live above the flesh. As you walk in the Spirit, as you power that side of you, the flesh just naturally diminishes. And when you walk in the Spirit, you will what? Not fulfill those cravings of the flesh. I dealt with things in my flesh for a lot of years. I've still got some I'm working on. But thank God, I've had victory in some really big areas. And it doesn't always happen overnight. Sometimes it takes time. All right, next slide. All right, here we go. I'm going to go through these fairly quick. We're going to look at seven different ways. And remember, they're not numbered one through seven. But just some, some practical ways that you're like, well, what does that mean to walk in the Spirit? How can I walk in the Spirit? So I'm thinking about that since walk really has to do with every part of your life. I tried to pick a few things that had to do with seeing, saying, thinking, meditating, speaking, you know, all those type of things. All right, so first, and I, I, I'll probably say this is the most important one every time, but, you know, they all have varying degrees of importance. Seeing yourself in the Spirit. See yourself in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, everybody's familiar with 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? And what's, what's 2 Corinthians 5.16 say? So you've got to read 16 and 17 together. 16 says, it says, henceforth, therefore, we regard no man any longer after the flesh. Now that means, the flesh, it means physical body. Listen to this in the message. It says, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah. We looked at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. gets saved, they become a new creation where? On the inside. What do we still see? And what do we tend to do? Well, look at that adulterer over there. Look at that gambler. Look at that drunk on the curb. Well, he accepted Jesus last week. Bite your tongue. It says, there was a time when we saw Jesus in the flesh, but no longer. See, there was a time when the apostles actually saw Jesus face to face. And they said, but we don't see him that way anymore. Like, how do we see Jesus? We see Jesus now by what the Word tells us about him. We see Jesus in the Spirit. And he said, the same way we see Jesus is how we need to see the person that is now born again. We don't see them based on the label that used to be on their life. We don't see them even maybe based on the sin that they're still stuck in because they don't know how to walk in the Spirit yet. It says, we regard no man after the flesh. And a lot of times we give grace to the other guy, but guess who we can't see that way? Sometimes it's much easier to see somebody else through the grace of God than it is to see ourselves that way. you got to get up in the morning. I don't care what you're stuck in. I don't care what you're involved in. 
you got to look in the mirror and say, I'm a new creation. I'm created in the image of Jesus. That I've been made new. That old things have passed away. All things have become new. See, there's a verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 that says that as he is, so are we in this world. It doesn't say as Jesus was or as Jesus will be. It says, as Jesus is right now, so are we in this world. See, Jesus already said in John 17, he said, hey, you're in the world, but what? You're not of the world. This isn't who you are. This isn't where you originate from. This isn't your home. This is just a temporary stop. And that you might be in the world, but you're as Jesus. You're as Jesus. So anytime I can't figure out what I look like in the Spirit, I look at Jesus. It says, as He is. How's He? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Guess where I'm at? I might be on the corner, but I'm seated at the right hand of the Father if I've made Jesus Lord of my life. I have been not only died with Him, resurrected with Him, but I was raised and seated with Him. And sometimes, you know, things get really bad and people say, well, you need to look up. No, you don't. You need to look down. You need to realize that I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That things are, if they're below him, they're below me because I'm in him. I'm part of his body. And if they're under his feet, they're under my feet. You've got to start seeing yourself in the spirit. That's just one. That could be a whole message. I gotta stop. I'm getting excited. Number, I don't say. Let's just say next. Won't say number two. Next slide. Set your mind on things of the spirit. Now you're gonna notice these all start with S. I got really clever this week. I got a, got a right here. Good job, Fred. You got all S's. Set your mind. On things of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Where you turn your attention to, you'll end up there. The thing that you think about will eventually manifest. See, in it, you can be back and forth. You might be in the spirit one day and, and living for God one day, and next thing you know, you quit, you quit turning your attention there. All of a sudden, you become susceptible to wrong thoughts, wrong feelings, and you start acting those out. Think about Peter. You remember Peter in Matthew chapter 16? Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say that you're uh, Isaiah, some say that you're John the Baptist, some Jeremiah or other of the prophets. And he said, well, who do you say they am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So here's Peter who gets a revelation from the Father through the Holy Spirit of who Jesus is. A few steps later, Jesus is going down the road, and he, he says he starts telling the disciples, all the things that he must suffer, that he's going to have to die, he's going to be crucified and raised again the third day. 
And Peter goes, you know, I am the one the Father just gave that revelation to. Come here, Jesus. And it says Peter rebuked Jesus. He said, eh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to take place. I know because the Father just told me about you. And what did Jesus say? He didn't say, blessed are you. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Why? Because you mind the things of man and not the things of God. Same word, mind. You set your mind to the things of man and not set your mind to the things of God. See, your mindset is really important. Your mindset will eventually come out of your mouth. Your mindset will eventually take you in a direction that you do or don't want to go in. Set your mind. It says when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, that results in life. It results in peace. When you set your mind on the things of the world, all of a sudden, as Pastor Jay talked about last week, you give the devil access, and that ends in death. Some translations say it ends in anything that, that's rooted in sin, including sickness, death, bondage, anything. So you're going to see the results of death in you. Next. Submit your body as a living sacrifice. Ah, I don't want to do that. Do you realize when you get saved, the old man dies, you're a new creation, guess who lives on the inside of you? The, the dirty spirit? <laughs> the jumping in and out of bed spirit? The shooting up spirit? No, the Holy Spirit. Your body is now the temple, the place that the Holy Spirit lives in. It says you got to know that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to walk in the Spirit, you've got to, it's just like Paul says in Romans 12, 1, he says, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, that you offer, that you submit and say, okay, God, I don't have it all right, but you live in me, here's my body. And I'm willing to do with my body whatever you want me to do, and I'm willing to do, not do with my body whatever you don't want me to do. I'm giving it to you. This is your house. This is your place. I'm bought with a price. You paid the price for me. Here you go. But too often, we don't want to do that. We only want to supply or submit our body when it's convenient to us, or it makes us feel good, or, or you know, it doesn't, doesn't go against the you know, what my buddies at work say or, or what the women on the chat group say. No. You submit it to God. It's His. He paid for it. Submit your body. Next. Speak God's Word. I won't spend a lot of time here. Jay did a great job last week when he covered the uh, armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 says the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Now, Ephesians 6 uh, that chapter specifically about dealing with the devil, not necessarily the flesh, but you cannot talk about dealing with the flesh without talking about speaking God's word. You, you've got it. When, when you have bad thoughts come in your mind, you know, you, that one thing it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
How do you bring a thought into captivity? No. You capture a thought with words. See, if you want to short-circuit the thought process, speak. Because if I, I, I used to, I've done this before. If I tell you to count to 10 in your head and we won't take time to do it today, and then I say, say your name, you'll say your name and all of a sudden you'll quit counting in your head. And if you want to short-circuit the thought process, speak. And specifically, speak God's word. David said in Psalm 119.11, he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So knowing God's word, meditating on God's word, speaking God's word is another way to live in the spirit, to walk in the spirit. I want to get God's word so in me that when the devil comes up, my flesh comes up and said, ooh, hmm, but that would feel good. Ooh, I've got a scripture. I've got a scripture. What did Jesus do? It said he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil said, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it be turned into bread. And what did he say? It is written. Man shall live, not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. If Jesus needed to quote scripture, why do you think you don't need to? Are you that much better than he is? Matter of fact, we could go back to as he is, so am I. Well, if he needed to quote scripture, I probably need to know some scripture. I'm getting wound up. Next. Oh, spent all day here. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, or 8, verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. I think this one says debauchery. But be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled. The tense of that word is be being filled. Be being filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That doesn't mean going, Kumbaya, Kumbaya. Speaking in the Spirit is speaking in tongues. If you want to stay full of the Spirit, get your prayer language. See, it says in Acts chapter 2, it says, And they were filled with the Spirit, and they all began to speak with other tongues. Speaking. Paul says, he says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. See, how do you know something's full? It's full when it overflows. If it ain't overflowing, it's not full. So if you want to stay full of the Spirit, there's something got to come out. See, there's so many awesome benefits to praying in the Spirit. One of them, Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. For when we don't know what to pray or how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. And it says, he that searches the mind of the Spirit uh, knows that he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So that when you don't know what to pray, you don't know what scripture to say. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't have a Bible. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to quote. Guess what? 24 hours a day, the Holy Spirit's creating intercession on the inside of you. He's creating prayers for you. 
He knows exactly what to pray according to the will of God so that even if you mess it up in English, when you pray in the Spirit, you can pray 100% in accordance with God's will. You think if you pray in accordance with God's will, things will work out okay? Why do you think the next verse says, and we know that all things work together for good? It's and. It starts with prayer in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit prays and supplies intercession according to God's will. And when I release that, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his will. This is like powerful stuff. And people sit there like, well, I don't know if it's for today. I don't know. Well, it might be for today, but it may not be for me. It is the most powerful weapon that you can use. And if you don't want to use it, that's your choice. But if you've been, if you've been saved, You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues 20 years ago. Well, you've been cussing ever since. See, just because you were filled once doesn't mean you're filled today. See, the apostles on the day of Pentecost, right after that, Peter stood up and preached. 3,000 people got saved. The next day they go to the temple. He heals the guy that's lame from birth. All of a sudden, they get thrown in jail, they get questioned, they get berated, and then they, they go back to their, their, their other apostles. And life will drain you. Ministry will drain you. Your marriage will... Ephesians 5.18 is right in the middle of the passage on husbands and wives. My gosh, if you're married, you need to pray in the Spirit. I'm telling you. It's in there with about, about raising kids, too. That'll drain you. Ministry will drain you. Marriage, raising kids, all that. You can pray in the Spirit and take care of all that stuff. So it says in Acts chapter 2 that they were filled with the Spirit, but then Acts chapter 4 it said they prayed again and were filled again and spoke the Word of God with boldness. Acts 4.31. I could spend all day on that. We're going to go. We're going to go. Next. Step. With the Spirit. Now, this isn't the Texas two-step. You guys ever seen that movie, Hitch? Yeah, well, Will, uh, oh my gosh, Will Smith. I'm like the other guy. He's like, you're here, and you're here. No making pizzas, no cleaning the ears, and says, you're here and here. You don't want me to sing, you don't want me to dance. Not good at either one. So if you read this, some translations say, since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So you might read your Bible, and it says walk in the Spirit. But that word walk is a different word walk. It's not the same word walk as peripateo. This word walk is a militaristic walk. So I'm not advocating Hitler, but do you ever see those, those people like the Germans? They were like robots. And he'd like be a hundred of them in a row, and they'd all be stepping in perfect step. That's what this word's talking about. It's talking about staying in step with the Holy Spirit. That when when he, <laughs> we used to, my wife, there was a song we used to sing at Central Assembly. 
And my wife, it would come up, and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe we're singing this again. And it would say, when the Spirit says move left, I move to the left. And when the Spirit says move right, I move to the right. And the Spirit says jump, and I'd be like, come on, baby, you got to jump a little bit here. But here's the thing. When the Spirit says move, you know, when the Spirit stops, we stop. When the Spirit moves forward, we move forward. What did the children of Israel do? It says the cloud, when it would lift from the temple and it would move, guess what they did? They moved. And when the, when the, when the cloud would stop, what did they do? Stop. you got to learn to start to staying in step with the Holy Spirit. So when he says, hey, don't go down that alley. You need to walk straight. Oh, stop, Fred, because there's somebody here who needs to know about me. And I'm going to talk to that. Oh, now you need to go down this way. And you need to learn to order your day stepping with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. You, got, you can't stay in step with the Holy Spirit if you're not in tune with Him. See, because He's not physically walking. How do I stay in step with the Holy Spirit? I got to learn to recognize His voice. I got to know when He's speaking to me. I got to know when He's just touching me a certain way and prompting me this way and, and do this and don't do that. See, you got to know that His desires are contrary to the desires of your flesh. And He's never going to nudge you in a way that's going to cause you to stumble. He's never going to put you in a position where you're going to fall. If he ever leads you into temptation like he did Jesus, it's for the purpose of coming out victorious on the other side. It's not so you can walk into temptation and fall. But you've got to learn to stay in step with him. All right, last. Sow to the Spirit. Sowing and reaping. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever, whatever a man sows, that will he also, what? Reap. When you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap the benefits of eternal life. This is not talking about that if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to go to heaven. See, eternal life is not going to heaven. Eternal life starts the day that you meet Jesus. Jesus said in John 17, 3, he says that they may know you and life eternal. Knowing the Father is experiencing eternal life. It starts the very day that you accept Jesus. And, and when you begin to sow into the Spirit, you'll begin to reap the benefits of eternal life right now. I'm not talking about you do this and you'll go to heaven. You do this and you'll start to experience heaven right now. See, God never intended for... for us to be able to get ourselves to heaven. His job is to get me to heaven. My job is to bring heaven to earth. That's my commission. Amber. I really saved this for last for this reason. Take a minute. Father, I pray that guy would get caught right now. be safe. 
One who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. If I invest time into what's wrong, I'm going to reap wrong stuff. It's a very simple principle. If I invest my time and energy into God's Word, into God's presence, into spending time with Him, into reading the Bible, into fellowshipping with other believers, all those things will reap good things. Here's why I leave it for last. It's because harvesting doesn't happen overnight. See, a lot of times, well, I tried to read my Bible and didn't do any good. Well, how long did you read it for? Well, just two days. Well, how long were you stuck in that addiction? Ten years. Well, I was waiting for God to put a million dollars in my mailbox. Well, how long did it take you to get ten grand in debt? Eleven years. You know, when, see, here's the thing. When we sow to the flesh, we want the results to be a hundred years down the road. But when we sow to the Spirit, we expect them to happen like right now. See, sowing and reaping takes time. And I'm never discounting the fact that the Holy Spirit, the power of God, can change something instantaneously. But the norm is, as you sow, eventually you'll reap. So just because you, you read and you prayed for a day, two days, three days, stay with it. Stay with it. I myself, in 2007, made a commitment that I was going to deal with the issues that I had in my mind. Lust. Watching wrong things. Thinking about wrong things. Rolling images through my mind that I shouldn't be thinking about. And it, it, it had a terrible effect on my life. So I decided I was going to stop doing certain things. I was going to stop listening to certain music. I was going to stop watching certain movies. And in place of that, I'm going to start listening to worship music, which I hated at the time. I mean, I'd rather take a stick in the eye and a spike to my ear. I hated it. But I was like, I'm going to do this. And I started getting in God's Word every day. And I started going to bed reading God's Word, getting up reading God's Word. I started getting active in church. And wouldn't you know that I didn't change the next day, and I didn't change the next week, but about six months into this, I woke up one day and I was delivered. I was delivered. And as I walked in the Spirit and did some of these things we talked about today, that thing fell off. So I want to pray for you today. We're going to end with that. Anybody get something today? Hopefully, yeah, good. All right, let's stand up. I'm all sweating up here. Anybody sweating? All right. Anybody dealing with some desire in your flesh? Don't be ashamed. I, I'll, be, I'll raise my hand. Anybody's dealing with something in your flesh, residual of the old man, been dealing with it maybe, maybe for a week, maybe for 20 years, whatever it is. All right, that's okay. We've got some ammo now, right? We've got some, some ways that we can, if I, if, let's say this, if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Do you believe that? All right.
So I've given you some ways today to do that. I want to pray for you. Anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, say, you know what? This is all like weird. Uh, anybody doesn't know Jesus, never met Jesus, said, I don't know if I, I would die today, if I'd go to heaven? Anybody like that today? No. Okay, all believers here. So let me pray for you. Uh, I just want to pray for victory in your life because we, you know, as a believer, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from, from victory, right? So we're not, we're, we're already in a position of victory. Jesus has already won it. You inherited it. You, you're, the song we sang earlier, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Uh, I'm, I'm now a son. Paul says that, that if your son, that he sent the spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father, if you're a son, you're also an heir of Christ or in Christ. So everything that Jesus inherited, you got. It's already yours. So you're not fighting from sickness to get healed. You are healed. You're protecting your sickness, your health. You're not fighting for freedom. You are free. You're already there. You're already forgiven. It's already done. Jesus took care of it. So let's just hold our hands out. Father, we just thank you today for Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, Lord, I pray that your word would just, just bury deep in our hearts. We stand against the enemy to steal even a single seed today, that every, everything planted will grow root, and Father, that it would bear tremendous fruit. Fruit of the Holy Spirit will be evident in our lives, and those things of our old self, that residual effects of the old man would be done and left behind and in the dust. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Have a great day.